0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Grow with Grace podcast. My name is Sydney Van Cleve, and today I am joined with a super exciting guest, Ms. Cody Neal, owner of Wandering Maverick Boutique. Cody, I'm so excited you're here. Would you share a little more about yourself and Wandering Maverick?
1: Hey Sydney, well, I'm so excited and thankful that you had us on. So like Cindy said, my name is Cody Neal. I am 22 years old and I live in Goliad, Texas, which is South Texas. And I'm the owner of Wandering Maverick Boutique and Stock Show Boutique. I started Wandering Maverick Boutique in January of 2018 with no intentions of having a business. I was a freshman at Texas A&M University studying animal science at the time. Um, And I actually didn't even open it under the name Wandering Maverick Boutique. It was under the name Five and Ranch and Designs. It was just simply the way where I could have a little extra side money doing something fun for myself while I'm through college. Um, In college, I was on multiple judging teams, so I couldn't have a traditional job. So I thought, oh, it might be fun just selling a few t-shirts on the side, um, having money to pay rent, you know, go do the fun things in college. And then um, as I went throughout college, I kind of realized after an internship between my junior and senior year and how my business had grown, that I really wanted to take it full
0: time. And so that's what I did. That's really interesting. I think I like usually never know what I want to do when I grew up. was like, oh, just own a cute little boutique. And so that you're like my dream job. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, it's funny because
1: um, I knew exactly what I was going to do when I grew up and I was going to. I graduated high school at 17. I was going to go to Texas A&M University. I was going to be on the wool judging team. I was going to be on the livestock judging team. I was going to get my master's in international agriculture, and I was going to go do international agriculture or marketing. So that was my plan all along. I never thought like, oh, I'm going to be a boutique owner. And so it's so funny to see, especially how God works in your life and to put you into those roles. Um, because I, I made a Facebook post about this when I was graduating Texas A&M in May and I listed out everything like, oh, I knew I was going to do this. I was going to do this. I was never going to change my major. Well, I changed my major three times. I quit the livestock judging team and I'm working for myself and I moved home. And those were four things that you would have never thought came from me. So, um, definitely don't worry. Like you're going to absolutely be put in the right place, um, and job one day for yourself.
0: Yes, thank you. I really <laughs> appreciate that. So what is your agriculture experience? Recently you made a post saying that you wore, you've you worn many hats in ag and I know that there's a few people who listen who probably don't know anything about you or your business. Would you mind telling us about your little like hat collection or whatever? Yeah, I love the way you worded the little hat collection. I love that so much. Well,
1: yes, I did make a post and so the different roles in agriculture is I was actually born into agriculture. My dad manages a ranch in South Texas, but at the time when I was born he was at a different location. So my longest role in agriculture was a rancher's daughter. And I took that job very seriously. I was the girl who would like miss preschool to go work cattle with her dad and all of that. So I um some of my best memories were on the ranch growing up. Um being on a large commercial cow-calf operation, being able to see that side, being able to see a little bit of the farming that goes on, just in terms of management of the land for the hunting side, um, all of those different things was extremely beneficial to me, and I was able to see that and learn so much from that. Um, Then when I, well hold up, actually, so when I was little, um, I was probably six or seven and i started taking horse riding lessons i really really loved horses my parents raised a few quarter horses my dad's side of the family is really big into like we're really big into raising horses and race horses and so he comes from that kind of background and so i started taking horse riding lessons then i started showing ponies um which is so funny to me looking back and that i showed ponies because it's just not a normal thing um and i was i did horse judging Well, what a lot of people don't know is I actually started grade school a year early. So um, in third grade, I was only seven years old. So I wasn't actually eligible at that time to show under 4-H and FFA. Um, So I was too young. So I had to wait until fourth grade when I was eight years old to start showing. And when fourth grade rolled around, I got my first set of show seers uh, my older brother did show Sears, so I got my first set of show Sears. I did that after um, a successful first year. I decided I also wanted to show lambs. So, throughout um, fourth grade through senior year, I showed lambs and cattle um, throughout our county and then um, state majors in Texas as well. Once we got to high school my involvement with agriculture really started coming to fruition. I was highly involved in 4-H and FFA. I even served as the Texas 4-H president um, my senior year in 2016 and 17, which is something a a lot of people don't know about me. Um, I was a member of the Texas Youth Livestock Ambassador organization, association. I don't really exactly remember how to say that, but I did a lot of really cool things with them, and I owe a lot of what I do now back to that program. Um, It was like a three-year program. Our first year, um, I went to Lubbock. I learned about different parts of agriculture. The second year, we did an advocacy program where we really learned how to advocate for agriculture, and then um, in my third year, I was actually able to go spend, um, I think it was maybe a 10-day, two-week trip in Uruguay and Argentina with them in terms of an international agriculture. So I did that, and then I was also involved in FFA um, throughout college. Um, I was highly involved in livestock judging. Livestock judging was something that I was very passionate about when I was in high school. Um, We ran really, really hard. Like We were at livestock judging contests almost every weekend. I eventually just came burnt out on it. I won the Texas FFA judging contest as an individual my sophomore year. I had a judging team my junior year, and by senior year rolled around, I actually did not participate on the livestock judging team. Um, I had a really interesting senior year story that is a side story from this that I might be able to tell later on in this podcast. So I did not do livestock judging, and at that point of senior year, I just kind of told myself, like, livestock judging isn't really – isn't really something that I want to do right now in life. And so I went straight to Texas A&M University. So I went to Texas A&M University. I started out as an animal science major um, at Texas a and and I was on the wool judging team. And then I started my business in freshman, or I mean, January. So second semester of my freshman year, I then decided like, oh, I really like this kind of business. Maybe I have a business interest. So then I tried to get into um, the ag-eco department. I quickly learned that I was not um, made for the agriculture economics department. So then I just on a whim changed my major to poultry science. I was a part of the livestock judging team and the poultry judging team at Texas A&M. And then um, I really loved the poultry science department. So I took an internship between my junior and senior year um, with being a poultry marketing intern for a large pharmaceutical company. And that's eventually what I graduated with was a um, bachelor's in poultry science. So that's kind of my life at ag in and in a quick little wrap up.
0: That's I'm trying not to say that's really cool because I said that too much <laughs> the last time. So but that's really cool. I really like like hearing all everyone's different stories as it's gone on. I'm like, I like hearing like all everyone's different takes on things because my family's in South Texas. so. So we'd go through Goliath to get to Sinton. So I just tell you, mom was telling my mom's like, she has a 361 like area code. Area code. Yeah. So what part of Texas are you from? So my mom grew up in Sinton, which I think is South. Of oh, okay. Memphis. Yep. So I spend like my summers down there. And this summer, because of like FFA, I got really into whole like ag thing so I've got to go to my grandpa's farm and go look at how they harvested the cotton and grain and so like I got to learn all of that and it's really cool (laughs) to get to see yeah and hear everyone's different stories so the next part next question I had was what are some of the biggest struggles of owning a small business
1: changed and developed as so when I first started, like I said, I never really intended that it was going to be a business that I did full time. Um, but one of my biggest struggles I remember when I was so I was 18 when I started my business and just being 18, 19, 20, that a lot of people looked at me very funny because I was so young. And that just kind of came through different aspects of if I was at Dallas Market, if I was at a vendor show or even like just set up somewhere I always got those like really weird vibes and even some people online um like sometimes you get customers who just kind of demand something like oh I want my order here by tomorrow and it's like I can't do that and they're like well you shouldn't be running this you're young but I think those have kind of transitioned now to the times that we're in with um you know the c-word and all of that um one of the biggest struggles we're having right now is shipping delays, um, and really, it's it's so hard because we will ship to someone a couple months, um, we'll ship to someone a, a couple months at a time, and then like the post office decides they no longer want really to deliver to them, so then packages get returned. Um, we've had an order since July placed for our color shirts, our comfort wash color shirts since July that we still have not gotten. And it is the middle of November. So um, I think that's probably one of our biggest issues right now. Other than that, I feel like I've been more than blessed with um, my small business and the problems. But I also have to say that I took into continuous learning on it because I didn't want to be mediocre. Something my dad always nailed in my head was what you put into it, what you get out of it. So I never wanted to, my fear is mediocrity, to be honest. And Um, I never really wanted to have a business that surrounded myself with problems, and I want to say that as soon as you address the problem and realize there's a problem, it's really easy to fix it and move forward as long as it's in your hands.
0: Yes, on this whole shipping thing, like I see it with everyone. It's crazy. And another question, this is one from my ag teachers. How do you come up with your t-shirt designs? They're so cute. We were just... <laughs> so, that. It's really funny
1: that people ask me that. And I'll be honest, I dream of a lot of designs, which just sounds so weird, so weird. Of I will literally dream of a design, um, but in more serious answer way of... I sometimes have a design in my head and I don't necessarily do all of the graphics. I, um, my sister is a graphic designer. And then we also use a really awesome graphic designer um, who I will send them my ideas just because sometimes, especially before I had help, I couldn't do it all. Um, So I built those really awesome relationships with people who were able to come up with my designs. But um, I really like listening and reading to ag facts. And so I really like to pull different um, facts that we have, like, and then sometimes it could take me months before I come up with a design. So I actually had one of our best-selling designs as a note in my phone for nine months. Um, And it's the support, the 2%, the feed, the 100%. Oh, wait, you're wearing it. Oh, my goodness. You're wearing it. Yeah, so that's (laughs) one of our best-selling designs. And it hid on my phone in my notes for nine months. Because I kept going around and I actually misspelled my first design this week. So I'm always like slow to do the designs, but it was in my phone, but I got that idea from reading agriculture articles and like finding facts. And I was like, oh, like 2%, like this and that. But it's actually also really funny if I had the support women in ag, like the first basic block support women ag show I made out. Uh, that I came out with and I was just like oh I should put support women in ag on the t-shirt and that's what I did and I created a whole little movement of supporting women in agriculture so it's kind of funny I just never really know what I'm gonna do um I I just never really know it's <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason and I think that comes back to the point of when you have to be creative um you kind of just have to roll with it so Like when you have creative verse, like I just try to knock it all out or someone will say something, I'll see a hashtag somewhere and I'm like, oh, I want to somehow incorporate this. So I have a running notes on my phone that I hope never disappears because if it does, there goes my whole brain.
0: Um, That's a little bit of how I do it. That's interesting. And the fact that I'm wearing it right (laughs) now, (laughs) I didn't even know, I couldn't even see it. That is
1: so amazing.
0: So you had some really cool opportunities like in the, this fall, and this summer with state and national FFA convention. That's where I got my shirt from. And that's how I like first found y'all was from a post. Everyone was sharing was <laughs> wandering Mavericks going to state convention. How have those opportunities, like how are those opportunities like impacted you? Like how excited were you? Just anything you'd like to share about that?
1: I am still living off of the adrenaline a little bit from national and convention but we'll start at the roots of texas because i was a texas ffa member i went to my first texas ffa convention when i was in seventh grade um, i was at a small school so they were able to take middle schoolers it wasn't a very big program um, so i between texas and national ffa conventions when i was in high school went to seven i went to national ffa in uh, Louisville Kentucky one year and so I just knew okay I'm gonna be honest I was the girl who loved shopping at that at Texas FFA convention and like stock shows and stuff I was that girl that loved shopping um I was also the girl who maybe got yelled at by my advisor one time for not being in session because I was shopping but that's a totally you know not related um so I I went to I Texas Bay I convention first in 2019 because I didn't have any 20 so I went in 2019 I had a 10 by 20 booth which was um under half of the size that I had this year um and it was super little and I love looking back at the videos and pictures because I was honestly so proud I thought that show was amazing it was so weird because like I had kids running to my booth in 2019 and I had a line like the whole day and I was like, oh my goodness, like, like what? <laughs> um, so we went back this year. We had even a bigger booth. We were also still so blessed. Um, by day two, we sold out of pretty much everything. I think we took home 15 shirts from state, FFA convention, and we took a lot of shirts. And so that was just still, I was like, oh my goodness, like did this really just happen? And it just really is awesome because I was able to meet so many Followers and people that we engage with social media wise, and like just hear everything. And people are like, "Can we get a picture with you?" And I just feel like I'm this nobody. And like being able to hear girls like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I saw this, and I started doing X, Y, Z. Or ag teachers who are like, "Thank you for coming up with apparel for us because then we can wear it to school." Or like my superintendent loves when I wear your shirts. Like he lets me wear one every day as long as I put a cardigan over it. Or I also love when they take the cuts of animal shirts that we have and they're like, we were teaching this so we had to wear it or I'm a meat science teacher and stuff like that. So it's just really cool to see how something I thought was so simple in my head grow and blossom into this. And then I I still do not have the words for National Buffet Convention. We took a booth that was um, three times the size of our Texas Buffet Convention booth. Um, six times the size of my first booth I ever did in 2019. And um, I, I still, I really do not know if I have the words. We were so slam packed busy and it was just so humbling and rewarding to see and being able to meet everyone and take as many pictures as we did. We also did not bring back much inventory. So next year we're already making plans on taking twice as much, having a bigger booth because We had um, two lines that were close to 100 feet long both days, or one day. We had two lines, both of them close to 100 feet long. And I know that there were people who were like, we don't want to stand in line. I thought I was doing awesome. We had two or three checkouts running at a time. So we're going to definitely be more prepared next year. But it's still just so humbling to see and go to those FFA events and be as blessed as we are to be that successful at those events. And I like, I still, I still don't feel like that. I still feel like I'm just like this little college girl selling t-shirts on the side, um, online. So it's still just really hard, um, for me to grasp the impact that these t-shirts have made, um, just from a t-shirt. And so that's what I love saying is like, you're like a walking billboard with the t-shirt. So it's just, it's just so humbling and I'm so blessed for the experience. And one day I'll find the words,
0: but I still, I guess they've been back almost three weeks and I still can't find the words. <laughs> I can imagine. I was also going to ask, like, have you ever, like, come across someone wearing your shirt, like, on the street or just, like, go- walking through Walmart and you're like, oh, I made that. I feel like I would have a fangirl moment over the person wearing it. <laughs> I fangirl
1: all the time. I fangirl.
0: And um, like, we're at Stock just, I'm like,
1: w and whoever I'm with, I'm like, w wmb and i'm like pointing them out and i'm like i hit whoever i'm next I'm like look 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 um but i will have to say the most rewarding experience um like we sold a lot at National fake convention we got ta- tagged with pictures and stuff but we stayed at the hotel right next to the convention center and just walking back and um and i wish like if anyone listening i wish y'all could come up and like if you ever see me please stop me please introduce yourself um, I usually have a like just a resting like serious face because my brain my brain's going in like 87 different directions um, but one of the coolest things was we went to the lobby of the hotel and it took us like an hour and a half after we closed our booth down to get it all in order for the next day and there were so many girls wearing it and I was with my two cousins and my boyfriend and they were like Cody like people are pointing at you and I was like what do you mean they're like they keep like whispering and pointing at you and then like you see like all these like sweatshirts and stuff and it was just so cool and I wish that everyone could come up and meet because I really do treasure like those pictures that we took at Texas of and National Bay Convention and it's just so nice to like kind of just connect with those people um in person
0: that's really cool like just oh my gosh (laughs) I'm trying to picture it right now so what's the WMB mission? I feel like you mentioned something in like a reel on Instagram a couple of months ago. So if you could elaborate on that, that a bit. Yep. So when I started it, I never had a mission. This
1: mission, um, I have a story to tell on the background of this mission. So, like I said, I was an intern um with a large pharmaceutical company. And throughout that internship, we did mock interview processes. And throughout the mock interview process, um, I had a lady, she was, I think, 28. She was a manager of a cattle region up north somewhere. And after the interview ended, she asked me, she was like, do you have any questions? And I was like, actually, I do. And it doesn't really pertain to the fake job we were interviewing for. And I was like, as a young woman in agriculture, in the important role that in prestigious role that you're in, what are some challenges you face and how do you overcome them? and I could tell just for a split second she was like wow um so then like we just ended up having this conversation and like I said she was 28 and she's so like I still vividly remember this and she said when I still walk into a boardroom today there's still people who think I'm the intern they just immediately think you're young you're the intern you don't like they're older they're sometimes older men like they just think like oh you got out of college school but we've been doing it for 30 years like we know what to do and um I kind of see it in both perspectives but that moment stuck out to me more than anything because like she was just awesome um she was so successful so amazing and in a corporate situation and she's like people still think I'm an intern. And so then I asked her how she handled that. And she said that she just like, just blows it off now. And she just does what she's there to do. And by the end of it, she earns their respect. But you really shouldn't, I just feel like as women in agriculture, you shouldn't have to earn respect. Everyone should be given respect when you walk in, regardless of gender, regardless of age. And I've been there, like I talked about one of my struggles of being young, people kind of look down on you. So it was that moment that I realized like, wow, I want to take my business full time and my mission for Wandering Maverick. So my first part of my mission is to advocate for agriculture and just so simple um, in terms of that mission, but just putting it on a t-shirt, being a walking billboard and just trying to spark up that conversation, which that part of my mission came from a Facebook post when we do our letter boards and our letter board says something like all chicken is, um, hormone-free, antibiotic-free, and like we're talking about how the labels can be really confusing and how marketing people, like they get you with more money saying it's hormone-free, antibiotic-free, and my aunt commented on it, out of everyone, my aunt, and she goes, I had no idea, like you just saved me a couple bucks every time I go to the grocery store, and so that part of my mission came from that because I'm like if she took the time out of her day to read that post and actually comment how many people who saw that post on Reddit didn't comment that didn't know it? So I think that's so simple. Even if like, I talk to someone and they're like, we wear our Teach Ag shirt and they're like, oh, you teach agriculture? Like, oh, that's so cool. What does it involve? And they're like, that's even a conversation starter. Um, but back to the women in Ag part. So my second part of the mission is to support women in agriculture, but especially young women in agriculture. Being that young woman in agriculture, um, It's just one of those things that I've, like, really grown a passion for, and this summer I was actually told a a new statistic, and I don't have the exact number, but our local ag program talked to someone, but um, within the last five years, the percentage of female ag teachers in Texas has shifted, and now it's over two-thirds two-thirds of the women in, or teachers in agriculture in Texas is um, women, so I think that's just really cool to see, like, in just the last few years, that big shift change of especially young women, like, they're kind of my age, they're, they're something like that, and I had a woman ag teacher growing up, and I also had man ag teacher, like, I switched school, so I had both perspectives, but it was just really cool to see that change. And then, like, according to the 2017 Ag Census, it's 36% of women are involved in agriculture. But I'm really excited to see what that 2022 number comes at. Um, because I think women will soon be pushing towards half
0: of agriculture. That's perfect. And leads into my next question. You actually just, like, said all my facts. <laughs> so, um, it. Oh my gosh, I lost my spot. Okay, so yes, like fifty-two percent of like ag teacher, well, ag teachers are female. And then I was thinking about this as you were talking. Last year, our ag issues presentation was about the ag teacher shortage. And then I asked my ag teacher a while back. I was like, because she had a female ag teacher, but this is our first year that we've ever had two. So like that was Miss Ship was here for fifty years, and then that her, she's Miss Martinez is here now, and then Miss Garrett is like the first like one that we've ever had too and she's like how our program's growing it's our first like mm-hmm. eighth grade program and I was just like wow like it, everything that you said just made so much sense and then like you said according to the American Farm Bureau 36 percent of U.S. farmers are women and at least 56 percent of all farms have a female decision maker mm-hmm. so you know like from being a woman in ag and like seeing like the shift and like researching I was just like like how else do you advocate for it? That's something I've always been curious about. Yeah, so I think, um, so what I personally do is
1: I feel like on a smaller level of advocating, but it's easy for kind of every. It's easy, everyone owns a t-shirt in their closet. So it's easy to have that, but I really want to transition um, kind of supporting them in agriculture. We want to actually start a scholarship fund for young women in agriculture, wanting to pursue different forms, um, just because I know um, school can be expensive. Um, So we want to start a scholarship. We also did an internship program this summer um, with a woman in agriculture who came upon our board. Um, But continuing to advocate, uh, one of our favorite ways to advocate is doing our letter boards on social media because it's so easy to share that. It's so quick and simple to read that like short, Six words on a letter board. Like thirty-six percent of women are, are farmer, are thirty-six percent of farmers and ranchers are women. Like that's so fast to be able to read. And social media, um, it can have a bad rep in some days. I want to get off of it, but it's honestly so powerful too. And as long as you're spreading a positive message, um, I think it can be very beneficial. But one thing I've always thought, and I I vividly know exactly where I was sitting when I thought this, and it was in that advocacy program from the Texas Youth Livestock Ambassadors, and I was sitting there, and I was like, why is agriculture so reactive? Why isn't agriculture proactive? Why does agriculture wait as a whole for, you know, those anti-ag people that we're not going to name to post something before they say anything? Why can't we change, change momentum? Why can't we flip the script why can't we go out and be like hey here's my ag story oh why can't we put out those facts why are we just driving algorithms and views to the anti side of ag it's like recently i think it was new york farm girls on facebook um and instagram and i think it was them don't quote me on this um it was a dairy account that i follow and i'm gonna have to go find this now but they basically commented they were like so this is going to be hard for us to say, but we found one of our employees today who were abusing animals and we had to fire them. And they're like, and we share this side of our story because we shared this side of our story because anti-activists ag- do not share the whole story. Like we saw the problem we addressed it, we handled it, because ultimately, we care about the animals, and they just show the, they would have stopped it as someone that was abusing animals, they wouldn't have stopped it as, as a producer, we saw one of our employees abusing animals, so we took the right actions, because we care about those animals, and I thought that post was so powerful, because, um, like I said, flipping the script to be proactive instead of reactive.
0: Yes, I have a, speech that I do for public speaking in the spring and like at majors which I'm starting this year but that's another thing um, <laughs> about social media and agriculture and I talk about how there's always going to be that one other narrative and then I t- talked to a local small business who's a meat packing company and I was just like sharing like well they're saying this but this is like how we need to do it. and she basically said the exact same thing I like how you said be we're always reactive and not proactive because mm-hmm. like half of my like bottom half of my speech is all about how we're, we're too busy sitting there that we're not a part of the yep. conversation until something like oh no they snap at us that we have to do it oh agree I 100% agree
1: we just kind of sit there and wait for them to give us a reason when we should be like we can impact so many more people sharing the positive instead of just trying Because when we sit there and we're trying to just show people like, hey, we're not bad, they're going to take whatever they kind of see first. And um, it takes like seven times for someone to actually like register what they see. And so if they see seven times of this story getting shared on how someone's abusing animals, like at the the milk dairy incident that happened a few years ago, they're going to think that instead of seeing seven times like, hey, we care for our animals, look what we're doing like agriculture is positive we don't have antibiotics and hormones those type of things
0: yeah I think that was the perfect note to end this on I loved everything that you said from your opportunities to like just how you advocate and I think I think I might title this like creatively advocating or something that's sounds- <laughs> I, I just loved everything that you had to say so thank you for being a part of this
1: no, thank you so much for um, inviting me on, and I hope together that we can advocate and support women in agriculture in all forms and aspects. And I, um, as one woman in agriculture to another, I am so proud of you. I think you are making tremendous waves and that you're gonna make a serious impact on agriculture one day.
0: Thank you. <laughs> all right, thank you for joining. Yep,
1: yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you again, I do really appreciate it. It's. My pleasure. Anytime. (laughs) Awesome. Well, have a good day.